Do you want to reach the people that you love most with the good news of God's grace? Join author and international evangelist Sammy Tippett as he interviews Christian leaders who will ignite your passion to bring others to Christ. Well, I want to welcome you to another episode of uh, Ignite Your Passion. This is a podcast where we talk about evangelism and reaching others for Jesus Christ. And I thank you for joining us today. And uh, I'm really excited about today's interview because I'm going to be talking to Dr. Keith Fordham, uh, an evangelist, uh, a guy who has proven himself, been out there for so many years. Keith, welcome to the podcast today. We're glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. Well, listen, uh, I, we're going to just jump right into this and, and get into it, but let, let me just give a little bit of background. We, we had just a few weeks ago a, uh, a, a summit together where we brought together evangelists and pastors who were evangelistic and then some state evangelism leaders, and, and we had a discussion on what's happened to the state of evangelism, why has it declined, and then what can we do? And, and one of the things I was concerned about when we went in was that we, would, we wouldn't just see the problem, but we would see some solutions. And, you know, that was my heart. And you came up, you have a solution. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and there were several guys who did, and I appreciated what you had to share. And that's why I wanted you to be on this, this podcast, because I want you to share that solution. And, and we're going to get into it in just a moment. But uh, I, I'm just so excited about what you shared with us and, and uh, some things that can be done right now. I mean, it's not complicated, but can be done in evangelism. But first of all, we want to get to know you. Now, I know there's probably a lot of people who know you, probably lots more people who know you than know me, but, but I, I want people who perhaps have never met you to know who Keith Fordham is. And I'm not just talking about credentials. I'm talking about your heart. So first of all, tell us how you came to Christ and how you came to have a heart for evangelism. Well, I was raised in a construction family. We moved every three to six months. And so I changed schools just like clockwork. And uh, my dad and mom would go to church occasionally, but generally I'd either ride a bus or uh, go with neighbors. And I'll never forget, we finally moved to the Atlanta area from uh, uh, Florida and, and other states that we had lived in. And uh, the uh, next door neighbors went to church. And so I'd ride to church with them, go to Sunday school, preaching Sunday night and even Wednesday night and go to the RAs. And uh, I really didn't think I could be saved. I'd got in trouble when we first moved to Atlanta, throwing rocks at cars and trucks on Interstate 75. We Threw a rock too far, broke a windshield on a 59 Ford, and he got a motorcycle cop, came back down our side of the interstate, and caught three of us boys, and word mm -hmm. got back to my dad what I'd done. And when that occurred, uh, I was expecting a beating when I got home, but dad said, I'm so disappointed in you, I can't even whip you. Started mm -hmm. trying to be better and, you know, made A's instead of C's, batted 600 Little League, beat out a boy a year older in football, but none of that was good enough. We moved to another section of Atlanta, and that's when that Sunday school teacher would say every Sunday, boys, if you ask Jesus to come in your heart, he'll save you. And if you mm -hmm. do, go down front, tell that preacher what you've done. I'm mm -hmm. sitting there thinking Gene Bryson can be saved, Skeeter Coggins can be saved, but I can't be saved. But one Sunday night, our church had a revival, and a bunch of us boys got out of training union a little bit early. And when we did, 
uh, we started swapping licks in the sanctuary, hitting each other to see who could hit the hardest. And Tommy Neal came over to me and he said, Keith, Jesus died for you too. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. I said, Tommy, what would I say to God if I wanted to be saved? He said, why don't you just say, Lord Jesus, please come in my heart and forgive my sins. I dropped on my knees. I said, Lord Jesus. And another boy saw me with my head bowed, eyes closed on my knees, hit me just hard as they could. And mm. instead of getting in a fist fight, I decided I'd stay and finish that prayer. And I asked Jesus to come in, forgive me, and save me. And he did. Amen. And so that night Amen. I sat on the front seat of a uh, pew, front pew of the church, because I knew I'd be scared to go forward. So they started to sing, have thine own way. And before they got to... <laughs> Out on the have, I'd already grabbed the preacher. <laughs> oh, wow. And I said, preacher, I've been saved. What am I supposed to do next? And he told me to go tell my parents, and I'd be baptized in a few weeks. I don't want to finish the story other than to say that dad had to come see me get uh, baptized, hung his big middle finger in the communion cup holder on back of the pew in front of him. He met the preacher that day and half the deacons. <laughs> he unscrewed that off the back of the pew, wedge cut it off his finger. He got home, got on his knees, and got right with God. And, buddy, when Jesus came to our house, the gambling stopped, the fighting stopped. He got third-grade spelling books, tried to quit cursing every breath. And uh, hmm. uh, it, it was just wonderful. Oh, that's great. So uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. And your house was that's really, right. that was a reality for you, huh? That's, yes, it was. That's great. Now, how old were you at that time? I was just 10 years old. Okay. Now, like I said, being 10 years old, uh, when you move every three to six months, you usually get in with the wrong crowd. And I, I'm not even going to tell you the sins that I saw before I was 10 years old. It was unbelievable. Well, praise the Lord that God got a hold of you at such a young age. Now, you you started preaching in 1968. Right. If, if I remember correctly. Yeah. How, how old were you in 1968? I'm not was, trying to figure out your age now, but just <laughs> how old was, were you? Uh, in 17 years old, a senior in high school, and uh, one of my buddies had died playing football in the 10th grade. He'd answered the call to preach, and I'd ask God, why didn't you just kill me? Because God had been calling me, and I'd been saying no. And in December of 67, I finally went down the aisle and said, Preacher, God's calling me for full-time service. And the next thing you know, he had me signed up to preach January 7th, 1968. <laughs> wow, wow. That's, so, that, that's great. That's great. And then it was, what, about six years before you went into full-time evangelism, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yes, I finished, uh, right, I went to Samford University during the Jesus Movement and then uh, went on to New Orleans Seminary and finished uh, the three years and two and a half. I, I just uh, took overloads because I couldn't wait to get out, although I was still street witnessing down there in New Orleans and that kind of thing. Well, let me ask you a real, real quick question, kind of a personal interest thing for me, is uh, what years were you at Sanford? Uh, I was there from 68 until 72. Well, in 1970, a group of us were pushing a wheelbarrow, and we, we I, it, it seemed like we went to Sanford and spoke at Sanford just briefly at one at one point there in 1970. Uh, it's so, highly possible. Highly yeah, possible. You know, uh, so anyway. Had, uh, had we, a lot of that going on. We had a revival break out that year on campus. 
a guy named uh, uh, Kleckler. He was the Greek god, and he got saved going to that Billy Graham movie for Pete's sake. Uh-huh. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, revival just swept the campus. And uh, Well, you know, that was, really, an, that was an amazing was, year, 1970. Uh, it was. That's where my ministry began in a revival in Monroe, Louisiana. So there were wow. 25 people in a church, ended up in the Civic Center. God just oh, moved wow. in a mighty way. And we had thousands, and, and there's no exaggeration, <laughs> thousands of kids come to Christ. And that's what set us walking across America, calling for okay. revival in America. And, um, uh, and, and so that was 1970. But the very same time that that happened, the revival broke at Asbury uh, College in Wilmore, Kentucky. Right. Totally separate, and it had nothing to do with each other. But, but, yeah. but we, we need such a revival again today, brother. I tell you, we, we, we need God to move in, in this generation. You know? Buddy, I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, we've been off the other way so long. It's, it's about time that people got sick of it and come on back to Jesus and live right, do right, and Raise his name high. Amen. Amen. Okay, so tell me now. So 1974, you went into full-time evangelism, and you've been in full-time evangelism. And I have two quick questions for you, and then I want us to get to to this thing that you shared with us at at the summit. But uh, what, what caused you to feel that God was calling you into evangelism in particular? And secondly... Uh, I mean, you've been in evangelism for a long time now. I mean, decades. What has sustained you in, well, in doing the, the work of the, the Lord? Where God guides, He provides. But when I first started off, first sermon I preached, I burned up all of six minutes. Nobody <laughs> came. Uh, folks walked by the uh, shake my hand at the door. I remember one man patted me top of the head and said, "You might make it one day." <laughs> and uh, a lady patted me on the shoulder and said, you did okay, I guess. And I, I went home, told the Lord I'd never preach again. I meant it. And two weeks later, I got a telephone call from Jeff Babb. It was First Baptist Mountain View by the Atlanta airport. And uh, he said, we want you to come speak on a youth night. I said, I'm not coming. He said, you get on your knees and ask God, you sorry devil. <laughs> <laughs> and buddy rebuked. I got on my knees. I said, Lord, give me a sermon. And Laying right up in the middle of my bed was the old sermon book by Hyman Appleman. He had a sermon in there. He wrote it just so I could preach it. <laughs> mm, that's great. And man, I did. Heaven came down. Uh, all kind of decisions made that second time I preached. And pretty much from then on, I preached uh, just n- numerous revivals through the college years. And uh, uh, people were just saved everywhere. Even on one-day things that were fill-ins, I'd have somebody saved. Mm. And so... I knew God had his hand on me, you know, to give an invitation. Right, right. And so you, you went on to New Orleans Seminary, and you said right. you worked on the street some. Did you, were you going down in the French quarters or, or what? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Uh, did you know fact, Leo Humphrey? Indeed. Leo's one that helped me get my uh, tax-exempt status and talked with me about setting up my uh you know, association and, a, a and, and, a young, uh, Gary Boland, another evangelist that you probably know, right. he had been a CPA and he said, brother Keith, uh, let me fill those papers out instead of you paying that lawyer thousand or $1,500. He said, uh, 
I was a CPA and every odd thing in our company they gave to me. And so he sent it off and in two months. We had that <laughs> tax exempt status back. That's great. You know, I think that's really important for evangelists to get, uh, uh, create a 501c3, you know, nonprofit status. Uh, it's it's a, a benefit that our country gives us and uh, right. where people can give money and give get a tax break. And uh, so it encourages giving. And so I think that's a great thing. Well, well listen, I, I want to go ahead and get into the what, what you shared with us a little bit at the, um, at the summit. And, you know, like I said, we were, I I was looking for some solutions. What can we do in evangelism that's working? What what, what are some of the things that that can happen? So, so I want you to talk about that a little. What I call operation clean sweep, we really used to call soul winning clinics. And what we do is at Samford, we would go out on our, what they today call an impact team. We call it revival team. We'd take uh, 10 guys or and gals and, you know, go preach Friday night, Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, teach a, a how to, uh, you know, the Roman road or steps to peace with God or some tract or whatever we would use. And then we would go out with the people of the church. But what we did was we got them to give us the names of all the uh, uh, people who were on their Sunday school role who were not on their church role or who came on Wednesday night to the youth program or Sunday night youth program and were not members of the church. And then also back in those days, it's just like today, there are people who come to churches. Well, I had one lady that was every Sunday in the church for 53 years before she moved her church letter. And uh, there are people who are attending church who hadn't joined yet. And uh, some of them are not saved. Some of them are. And and I call this the the lost silver, the lost coin. You remember the woman had ten coins, lost one of them, turned the lights on, swept the house until she found that coin. Mm-hmm. And I've been to some small churches that run twenty or twenty six, and would get the preacher to do that and have as many as ten or twelve join that week. Uh, mm-hmm. They'd been coming, just never had joined yet. And we had at least two churches that were averaging in the mid-20s, that one of them jumped up to 56 average after we did the clean sweep. Another one jumped up to 92 average immediately oh. after the clean, clean sweep. And, uh, you yeah. know, just... You know, that, 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 that's an interesting concept, and, and I want you to keep on with it. And you're saying, but we have so many people around us, and it's like the harvest is ripe, the, but the labors are few, but... A lot of times the harvest is ripe, but our eyes are closed. We're like the blind man. We're just seeing people as trees, people that we kind of cross the, the paths every day, and we need a fresh touch from God to see the people who are around us that need Christ. I mean, yeah. and, and I think that's what you're saying. Right in, inside our churches are people yeah. who need the Lord, and we've just not identified them. Now, uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. The the statistics for Georgia, the state of Georgia, Georgia Baptist Convention, we had uh, we baptized twenty thousand less this year than we did the year before, and not only that, we for the first time in history last year had seventeen hundred churches that did not baptize one person, and what that means for at least those seventeen hundred, and probably for all the churches, there are a number of people that are coming or attached to the church, maybe just a family member of somebody who comes. 
that we've not told about Jesus. And mm-hmm. if we just do that, that could turn things around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so many times we say, well, it's so hard out there, you know, people aren't interested. <laughs> well, we have people who are interested right yeah. right next to us, and and if we would just turn right there to those people that the, we're the closest to, and that are have already, you know, there's some kind of interest, some kind of connection there, at least that then reach out to those people and share with them the good news. Right. So. So you, you, you're an evangelist and you go into churches. How do you today incorporate that? I mean, what do you do? Do you tell well, the pastor when, when he calls you that you want to do this or, or how does this work? Well, what, what, what we do, if they will ask for it, we will try to get somebody to come in and teach the soul winning. For instance, if there's a local Baptist college or a local Christian college, uh, and, you know, uh, our seminary, I, in fact, uh, not, we had a, a Midwestern seminary and Tom Johnston, their evangelism man, he took teams for about six weeks. We found a church in Kansas City that had not baptized anybody in 30 years. And uh, we got a tent and just did a weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we had 16 saved. He baptized uh uh, 10 before we left and that's the church that jumped from 25 or 6 up to 92 the next week and stayed there i know for at least the next uh, nine months and so uh uh you know get some outside help if you if your church won't do it you know if you got 10 soul winners coming from somewhere else then you have to have 10 of your people drive them around <laughs> yeah and knock on the door with them and go and once they see it uh, and, and if the people will let us in the house and sit down with them, we have one out of every three uh, respond. For instance, I did one of these uh, with my home church. They have a Keith Forum Day every year in uh, February, late January this year. And uh, uh, Shirley and I, my wife, we uh, uh, went to four homes. Three were at home. And actually, none of the three let us in, but we had two people join the church on Sunday because we came to see them Saturday morning. Wow, that's great. And uh, similar results with other uh, teams that went out. So. Yeah. Well, you know, this is something we've done overseas often. I mean, almost all the time where you have teams go with you and they match up with people in the churches and then they go into homes. I mean, in Brazil, this is, I mean, this is, just the way they do things. I mean, that's a, a normal practice for them. And and they're growing. The churches are growing by leaps and bounds. And sometimes we say, well, boy, you know, it's not like it is overseas. Well, maybe that it's not like we're not doing what they're doing, <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and somebody's going to be angry for me saying this, but there has never been a time in the 46 uh, years that I've been on the road that this didn't work. Mm-hmm. Even when the church did not prepare it, we had a church uh, not far from where I live and my son went over, he's a pastor, but he took four people with him and they went over to a church and uh, they didn't have anybody saved. They really didn't hardly catch anybody home, but the training, uh, they had a 114% increase in Sunday school their tithing went up and their church uh, preaching attendance jumped by over 50%. And wow. it was just because of the training. And, yeah. uh, 
you know, and that's been recently. So it's it's just incredible uh, what can happen if it uh, if it's used. It works in Brazil. It works in America. And if Russia will let you do it, it'll work in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you, it'll work anywhere that they'll let you in the door. Well, you know the the principle I think, and the truth, the great truth is that the very power of God is in the message of the cross. Any time you're able to present the message of the cross to people, God's power is going to be there because it's in that message. And, and God is going to do great things. And, and I think one of the things that's happened is that we have lost faith in the message <laughs> of the yes. cross. Of, of, of what, what God can do when that message is presented to people. Because all over the world, it doesn't matter who people are or where they come from. You know, as a little boy, you know, you were going through some things in life that were tough. And, and, and when you heard the message, I mean, God pricked you. I mean, God's power. There's no yeah. explanation for what happened to you except for, for God's power in that message. And, and I, I, I'll tell you, Keith, in America today, there are tons more people with that kind of need than there was back in 1970. Uh, you got that and, and, and so we just need to get out there. And, 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 and the youth are, the youth have always been hungry. There's a brief dip in the eighties, but right now I'm finding tremendous hunger, uh, from a teenage through the age, you know, in the middle twenties, it's incredible how interested they are. Even when they have not been in church, just for somebody to stop, talk with them and share Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fact, I had a technician, 25 year old technician come by the house recently and, uh, man, God just got hold of him and me both. <laughs> he got saved. It was wonderful. That That's great. That's great. Well, you know, uh, Youth has, that's where we've seen the great revivals. You and I were, you know, the Jesus movement time, right, right during that, that old time. That's when we both came to Christ. We were young people and, and the Lord worked in our hearts and lives. And so, uh, you know, the great, a lot of the great revivals have been youth movements where young people turn to Christ. And, uh, and, and, and I think one reason is young people are at a place in their lives where they're looking, what is the purpose of life? Right. What is the purpose of life? And we'll just reach out to them uh, and, and share that good news, that, you know, just like you were hungry and you were open and I was. You know, God will do it. God will do it. So, so um, if, if a pastor or church was interested in doing this, how would they go about contacting you and 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 what what would you need to do to set up with them to to do this type of evangelism? Well, what we need to do is uh, they can look on our website, which, which is, is keithfordham dot com. That's Fordham like a Ford automobile and a ham on a hog. Okay. And uh, dot com, and then go to ask Doctor Fordham, and look under Clean Sweep. And there I've got about four or five videos. Uh, one is the five minute and 40 second introduction. Uh, another one's about seven or eight minutes. I've actually got a training. I think about the fourth one is how to do the training itself and just look over it and see what's required and what would be asked. Uh, 
you know, get somebody in the church to go over and find out who these people are, where they live, and, and uh, you know, how to get to them. Uh, the attendees that are not members yet and, and uh, you know, the Wednesday night youth and children's uh, thing or, or the Sunday night. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times there'll be people in their family that need to be saved. And mm-hmm. it's surprising what a personal visit uh, from a local church will do. Yeah, uh, absolutely amazing. In fact, we we just hung a door hanger on one uh, man and wife's door. They weren't even home. They joined the next day because we hung the door hanger. That was uh, happened about three years ago, and uh, <laughs> just a personal visit. Yeah, yeah. One family I went to see, nobody from the church had visited them. They'd uh, been coming off and on for 10 years. And, uh, you know, the clean sweep was the first time anybody ever knocked on their door. Mm. So. And, boy, I tell you what, behind those doors are all kinds of situations. <laughs> yes. And all kinds of hurting people. Yes. Uh, all kinds of needy people that, that God loves and and uh, we just need to be out there uh, ministering to them, reaching out to them, and, and sharing the good news with them. And mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad that you've shared this with us. And, 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 I, and, I, and I can just say that I've watched some of the uh, videos, and they're really good. And I would encourage any pastor uh, who's listening to this to, to go to keithfordham.com and go to the clean sweep videos or ask Dr. Fordham and, and then go to those videos and, and just look them up and just listen. They're, they're not real long. He's gotten the broken down into segments and, uh, and just listen. And, and I believe that it's this type of thing. We need some positive, uh, practical ways of doing things. And, and this is such a simple deal. It's not a complex deal. Am, am I correct? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been doing it overseas. I'm telling you, it, it's just, uh, it works. And what I'd like to do instead of, uh, we've got the disaster relief teams in every association, but if we would have clean sweep teams in every association, by the way, clean sweep is the 21st century jargon because we just used to call it soul winning teams. But, uh, uh, if every association had that, then they could go to the neighboring association or maybe a church that's on the other side of their association, you know, 30 miles away or 20 miles away and send five or 10 people. And, uh, you could take one of those, for instance, in Georgia, 1700 churches didn't baptize anybody. Well, they'd have a shot at it all 1700 if they had 10 people come go with 10 of their people and just visit in the community. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what, uh, one of the things that we've discovered with overseas, and I think this work with what you're talking about right now is, uh, you know, I've had a lot of pastors say, well, you know, if the person can't share Christ with their neighbors here, then there's no use in them going overseas. But what they'd find is when they went overseas and started sharing the gospel, got outside their comfort zone, they came home right. and started sharing the gospel. Amen. And, and exactly. so if, 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 if there are some people who are willing, maybe nervous, afraid, <laughs> thinking I've yeah. never done this for you, train them, bring them over to another association, then they're going to come back home and say, man, I did that there. I can do that right, right where I live. And so exactly. uh, we can connect with each other and, and see some great things happen. Yes. And, uh, you know, to do it with every church that has a uh, 
Harvest Day or a uh, revival, our youth meeting, and especially, man, I wish all the college impact teams would jump on this because, you know, now they go, they uh, spend all night Friday night in the gym and Saturday, and they basically babysit the kids. But, man, if they made Saturday a soul winning day, we've even had uh, people we were training get saved during the training class. And then go out and lead somebody else to the Lord. It's just been amazing. Yeah, and and see, this is what excites me. I like this kind of discussion, man. I tell you what, you know, we need to be thinking like this. We need to be praying like this. We need to be thinking of ways in which we can reach people with the gospel. Um, you know, uh, God God will work mightily. Like I said, there's power in the message of the cross. Uh, oh, amen. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. I'm just putting it right. Bible. But, but, uh, you know, God will do it if we will just get out and, uh, among people, you know, there's a simple old principle of, of evangelism. And that is, you got to go to where the people are. Exactly. You, you, you can't expect yeah. people to just show up at your church, but you well, got to get outside, go to them. And I think the, the wonderful thing about what you're sharing, Keith, is that, uh, there are people that are outside, but inside the church. Yes. <laughs> They're outside the Savior, but inside yes. the church. And inside so church. We, we can start right there. We can right. start right there with them, and, but we need to train people how to do it. So any, anything you want to share with us before we close this thing out? Uh, just simply, uh, both my dad and my uncle, when they got saved and got right and got in church, became great soul winners. And uh, both of them would go teach for me, and they would take from their own church out of their own pocket people. Uh, we were in the Atlanta area, but they would like go to Florida, spend the night in the motel Friday night at their own nickel, and then uh, go witness for us. Of course, they had to be back to their church Sunday, but I would always have anywhere from 5, 10, or 15 going to walk the aisle on Sunday morning that uh, those teams had led to Christ. And the people in the church, uh, many of the pastors said, man, I've got two or three of these uh, people, a lady, a man, a woman, a, a young person, but they're soul winners now, and they've kept it up. And so uh, uh, this is what we need to get to. And my Uncle Jack and my dad, if if they went to house nobody's home, they'd visit two or three houses on each side of that house and sometimes have the people <laughs> saved that weren't even on the list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that, that is great. And I tell you what, it's a full circle when, with you coming to Christ and then your dad ministering with you, what, what a blessing that is. And, uh, Keith, I, I appreciate you taking the time today to just visit with us and share with us. And, uh, I want to encourage all of you to, to go to Keith's website, keithfordham.com and, uh, and, and watch these videos and, and see uh, what, what you might be able to do and, and just begin to pray. That's why we're having this podcast. We're trying to stimulate discussion about evangelism, about reigniting that passion for souls, of, to, to reach others for Christ. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being with us. And next week, we'll have another exciting uh, broadcast and interview about evangelism on Ignite Your Passion. God bless you, and thank you. We hope you've been encouraged. If you'd like to hear more, visit SammyTippett.org. 
There you'll hear podcasts, watch daily devotionals, and obtain books by Sammy that will ignite your faith, your love of family, and a passion to reach others.